Welcome back to Dansplaining. And I swear to you, this is the last time you're going to hear from me solo on this adventure. Danny, once again, has run off to the pub to watch England and left me solo to introduce this week's guest. Now, I would say this week's guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to do one anyway. Charles Jeffrey is a creative and designer whose work you've seen on your favourite pop stars from Dua Lipa to Harry Styles to Rosalia. We're going to hear about his story from CSM getting handpicked to be put in DSM to appearing on PAQ to finally becoming the CD of his very own company. Our relationship with Charles goes way back. We're not sure if it starts in a showroom, in a pub garden or a club. But all I know is that this has been one of my favourite guests we've had on the podcast. So sit back, relax and listen to how he has beef with Kate Moss. Danny. Hello. Charles. Hello. How do you two know each other? What's your first memory, Charles? I feel like I probably came up to you in a club or something and was like, oh, you look really cool. I want you to model for me or something like that. <laughs> I'm assuming that's maybe the first time, but... I accidentally met you in the beer garden as first though. I was with like a group of our lot, because I was doing PAQ at the time. Who was I with? I was with like Laura, Cassie, TJ. Mm. So I think you were just in the beer garden as well. And I just remember like you came in and said hi. I was like, ah, nice to meet you. How's it going? Like, was when, like when was this? Chill. That would have been 20... 17? Well, I've got a different v- version of this as well. Go on. Is we were at Paris Showrooms. Yeah. When Charles was there and we were walking through filming. We were working with Farfetch at the time. And we were walking through and like stopping off at like Bethany Williams and E-Talk, stuff like that. And we stopped off and you were like, I recognise you guys. I watch you when I'm hungover. <laughs> oh my God, do I remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That is what, that is what I thought this uh, origin story started from. Sounds about right. Yeah. I think I remember that actual season in that showroom as well. Like, that was, like, a very, very hectic season. Yeah. It was, like, like a... It was kind of like an art gallery, wasn't it? Like, yeah. the layout was very clean and crisp, but I'm... It was, like, I the golden that. age, because that was, like, with, like, Liam Hodges and maybe Rotten Dean Bazaar were even, like, showing some stuff there. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a good group of people. Like, e was in the corner. It was Paris. Par- yeah, it was Paris showrooms. Yeah. So, one of those three stories is how you two met. Yes. Um... <laughs> But you know, Choose your we, can own path. we can, compa- we can compa- combine it. But you know, like, before you got to Paris showrooms, you know, you had to put some work in to get there. Mm-hmm. Where did Charles Jeffrey start? In Big questions. Sense. Yeah, I'm like, in what sense? Okay, I was born. I think if you're thinking about the brand, I think an always a good place to start is like just generally coming to London. Because I think a lot of the kind of like inception of Loverboy is fed from like my first time in London. So like coming here in 2007, 2008 and like experiencing the club scene, you know, like going to clubs like Pony Step, which was like literally just across the road from here, like Hoxton Square. Yeah, right. I mean, this place was like popping off when I first lived here. There was like loads of different club nights. Until I gave ruined it. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> but like it's, it was it's such a, like, I mean, to think back to how it was, like it was just un you know you couldn't you couldn't have anything like this now like it was like so intertwined at a certain period of time so like brick lane was like actually cool it was like yeah. places where you could buy really good stuff it was still kind of like it was starting to get gentrified but it was still kind of like it had loads of its character i don't know so i kind of experienced a lot of stuff kind of from that point had you moved down for school i'd moved down mm-hmm. to do foundation at St. Martin's. So I turned 18 down here and basically was just absorbing the city. So it's like proper, like, I don't want to say indie sleaze now because that's the only way, that's just the quickest way, <laughs> that's just the quickest way to describe it. But it was like totally, you know, like that whole indie sort of like new rave, new horror situation. And it was like really interlinked with like club culture and fashion. And there was like loads of cool designers like Gareth Pugh, Christopher Kane, Louise Golden. I mean, it's like Daniel Paul as well, really. Or was that kind of a no, different that's more, that's more like rave, 80s yeah. rave. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of like the kind of classic element of it all. But this, yeah. this is a fashion, fashion, fashion. Yeah, fashion. And then it was like Disorder magazine, and then there was like loads of street style stuff that started coming up in Tumblr. And so, what were you wearing? Were you like making your own clothes at this point, or were you like wearing some of these designers you're talking about? I was like vintage top man top shop kind of thing but then the horrors kind of thing so like i i was i just had like really back combed hair so it was like really really <laughs> spiky like really back combed like fringe like this i used to have like a blonde extension that i just put one side that i just <laughs> cut like this like eyeliner drain pipes like plimsolls five pound plimsolls from five just pound plimsolls lane. from just off brick yeah, lane yeah, yeah literally and then he would like touch your feet to see if it was like one was too big than the other and he'd always say to people that like you need one size bigger than the other and then everyone would just have one size like it would just be really weird were you always into fashion then or did you kind of like how did you kind of get into it and when did you kind of know you wanted a brand i always was into clothes i remember like really really distinct memories of when i was like nine years old and like my mum and dad bought me like a bunch of new clothes and I got it from like Next or something like that, you know, like kind of yeah. like teenage stuff. And I remember being like really, really into having this whole new look. You know, it was like very basic stuff. Like I remember my dad bought me this t-shirt. My dad mumbled quite stylish. It was like a, it was like a t-shirt that was like kind of a James Bond silhouette of woman. You know what I mean? It was like <laughs> rendered with the Union Jack, but like a blue scale version of the Union Jack, like on Navy. And it was like three women just like this. And I thought I was the shit. Like I literally had thought and I had like Gola trainers nice. and like kind of little combat and trousers and stuff. But yeah, I remember I was really, really like into that and then as I sort of got a little bit older, I think I was starting to try and like figure out like what my niche was within the friendship group. Yeah. So like I was really trying to be like into clothes, but not like a, in a kind of brand sense, more like style. So I remember I was really into like a V-neck from American Apparel and like an H&M white blazer and straightened I'm, hair and everything. I'm gonna tell you something, this came up in the last podcast. Danny doesn't know what American Apparel is. That's like, that shows his age. Fuck off. I don't know why I said, I must have been hammered. Of course I know what American Apparel is. I just didn't oh. have one near me. He oh was, my God, I was gonna say it. It's like, it's like a cultural, no, I think, I think like I a cultural okay, thing. Danny turned up really drunk to the last podcast. He's sober <laughs> on this one. Like so drunk, he doesn't remember, he doesn't actually remember what happened on the podcast. I told him off mid podcast and he doesn't remember it or anything. But yeah, like, I mean, American Apparel was like iconic. And it's like, I mean, that whole sensibility was massively, you know, prevalent in me arriving in London as well. And like, I guess, you know, when I arrived here, and then suddenly in art school, I was like trying, I mean, it was my first time trying to be like a club kid. So like going to Pony Step and making outfits specifically for the club night. Cause everyone was literally yeah. turning up in like makeshift kind of <clears throat> Gareth Pugh, black latexy kind of pointy shit. And like- Makeshift. <laughs> yeah, just like, but there was some people that were really turning looks and like Gwendolyn Christie before she became famous. Well, I mean, she was kind of already known on the scene, but I remember me and my friend Cyril, who was like a friend of mine on foundation who I'm still friends with now. Like we would go and dance with her cause she'd always turn up in like a Marilyn Monroe kind of vibe so it'd be like All a right. white silk dress white fur coat obviously the tight blonde curls and then she would just be like thrashing around like amongst <laughs> all these other like club kids and then I remember I made this outfit out of postal paper you know you get that kind of like parcel paper that's on yeah. the roll and I like cut loads of holes in it and then tried to make myself look like a plaster mummy kind of thing and then like <laughs> but then with like horrors hair and like black eyes and stuff like that but there's a lot of people around who've come out of that scene who are quite big now as well mm. it's like it's it's so interesting how these subcultures sort of like find an area in a home and then like the creativity sort of seeps within each other and like mm. everyone then puts each other up was there anyone from that scene that you particularly remember being like fond of or like looking up to yeah i mean i and what's quite interesting is that we kind of 
we've worked together now. So like Matthew Josephs and like Matthew Stone, I was like obsessed with. So they were like kind of together at the time. They were like this power couple that used to walk around like dressed like so impeccably. Like, and um, I remember just being absolutely terrified of them because they were like, they were so cunty. They were like, she was just, like walking around <laughs> drugging everyone's daggers and stuff like that. But then it's so funny because like Matthew Josephs styled like the last three, four collections of mine. Brilliant. And then so we've like totally aligned with each other. And like, we always kind of like use those references going back. So it's like kind of a full circle moment. So when I asked him to style, all my stuff and said yes I was like so like so when you said dressed impeccably what is dressed impeccably to Mr. Charles Jeffrey what now or back then both what are both I think a good I think good tailoring is just I mean I know that's kind of a generic thing to say but interesting tailoring is always I think really it always makes a guy look really good yeah who would you say does that well well you're putting me on the spot he, he's really looking for you to say him I can see it in his face <laughs> I'm not a tailor <laughs> no take that as in wear it well I tell you who wears really great tailoring now is Mark Jacobs yeah. He is like curating himself really well. Like I, I that's the kind of like goal. Like I want to be like a an older gentleman in the same line as him. So like living in a hotel, like not having any property and just like <laughs> spending all of your money on clothes. Like he gets his suits made in Tommy Nutter. Oh, Ben Cobb also dresses amazing. I yeah. Think. Ben Cobb is like, has, has always dressed really well. Yeah. So for your final collection, is that where, do, would we see some lover boy in there or was it completely different to what you kind of, moved into doing my BA or my MA let's go BA because I BA. suppose that's like where I suppose the MA is where you really started to find who you are wasn't yeah. it I'll be honest with you I learned more about stuff that applies to my company now working at Jack Wills yeah. than I did at Dior so yeah so when you, when you started your brand mm. what were like the first steps did you get put in contact with someone like uh, so we know like Mike Key who's like a production manager where mm. you'd go to Mike and talk through everything mm -hmm. or did you like work with someone from uni how did you kind of make the dream a reality at St. Martin's, at the end of the MA, there's usually like an exhibition where you have all of your kind of like sketchbooks and your garments on like a rail and it's all like, it's kind of like a showroom. Yeah. And then like some prospective employees come, so like different brands will come and like see the work. And then Lulu Kennedy from Fashion East usually always comes and has a look. And Lulu did the rounds and basically, I think she only spoke to me and like Matty Bovan. Oh, wow. But I was like, honestly, at that point, I was so over it. I was like, I, 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 I was exhausted. <laughs> like I had, I was, I was mid lover boy, the club night. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I think this is what I want to do. Or I want to be a stylist. Like I do not want to do another collection. Like fuck this. I was also so broke. I was so, so, so poor. And like one of my ex tutors, and I won't name his name. It's not the head of the course. Cause he's amazing. Fabio, someone else. He was like, mm, Charles, I just don't think anyone's ever gonna hire you. Like your portfolio is just not like standard for hiring. And it's just like, you're just too individual. No one's really gonna hire you. And yeah, maybe you should just like do your club thing. And it was so dismissive. <laughs> and I just remember thinking like, fuck you. Like literally, <laughs> fuck you. And I was just in a bad mood and I was kind of just like glad it was over. Yeah. And then basically- Did you have to sew this yourself as well? Like some bits, yeah, but not all of it. So Lulu asked to see me and, I, and my portfolio was quite cool. Cause I had like all of my old club posts so I would print these posters off in St. Martin's for free, like big yeah. nice piece of paper and then in Vogue fabrics, I'd put, put them everywhere. Sick. And then some of them had like footprints on them and stacked like booze or fags or whatever. And I had like <laughs> then stacked up and then I had like my garment sketchbook, which was kind of all over the place, but it was like next to that. And then pictures of all of my mates, like all of these Instax photos of like the club night for like the last six months. Sick. And I think that, and then in my rail of clothes. Yeah. And I think Lulu is like very into people who have like a community around them. Like yeah. the clothes already exist on people and she can see it on people. I think she's just smart like that. 
she just understands that. So she's the kind of universe around it, rather than just being a collection. You're good. Let's make it exactly. And I think through all of the experiences she's had with all of those other designers, like that she's supported, I think the ones that have always kind of kind of shone through have been those people that are able to kind of like make good clothes and can, it can be seen on people and have a community. Yeah, tell a story. Did exactly, you know, did yeah. you know Fashionista before Lulu approached you? Yeah, I mean deep down I knew that. Uh, like I know it sounds really lame, but like I deep down I always knew that I was going to happen. Like I don't know. Like but then I was so over it at that point. But I was like, yeah, I'd always wanted to to do it. That was my dream. Like St Martin's Fashion East brand. So yeah, she came over and she asked me, but she was like, you know, do you want to, well, what do you want to do? And I honestly said to her, I was like, I really don't want to do anything anymore. Like I'm just so over it. Like, I think I'm just going to do my club night and we'll figure it out. And she was like, okay, well, you know, so you don't want to do fashionista? And I was like, no, no, sorry. Really? Yeah, she said, I was like, sorry, I just don't think I'm ready. And you know, maybe I'll speak to you in a year. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and, so, like, and then I remember, I remember like one of my friends was like, did you just say no? And I was like, yeah, I just... I just don't think it's right. And they were like, what the fuck? They were literally like proper shocked. One week later, Natasha, her assistant at the time, was like, we really want you to do this and we're happy for you to not even see it as a fashion show. Just do your club night as a fashionist show. Sick. Just do it. In, we've got this, a set in the ICA. Just do what you were going to do for your club night and just put it in. We just think it's so important to show what you're doing right now to a fashion audience. Amazing. So like, okay, fine. Well, I can do that. Then I kind of got into it and then I was like, actually, I really want to make another collection. Yeah. But to and to what your question was was how to get into it like for me that was my route into doing it as a brand yeah and then after that show had happened a woman called Naomi Ingleby messaged me and she said hi I'm a pattern cutter I love that you've done some tailoring that's what something I want to improve in I also do like production and da, da 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 like I would love to meet you and I was like god I don't even know how I would even pay this woman but I'll just meet her anyway <laughs> and I met her in my bedroom which was my studio at the time I had like two like long beam lights that were just attached to plugs like against the wall <laughs> I had rolled my mattress up with bungee cords and had it in the corner of the room and just had this table out and then my friend Jack Appleyard who was doing like sets for me but he brought in like lots of he was making all this stuff out of branches so like another corner was like loads of branches it was in fucking um, Arnold Circle because I had a flat in there. Oh, uh, yeah. Like oh, just, around here. Yeah, 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 just like, yeah, just down yeah, the road. Yeah, So she came, and I remember, and then I had just a board of, like, looks that me and Jack had been trying on of our own clothes, so we were just taking some photos of ourselves. And then I was like, yeah, I think this is what I want to make. And then she was kind of like, like what the fuck have I just walked into? <laughs> yeah, I mean, cut a long story short, she's been working with me ever since. And oh, she's, wow. she's, like, head of product. And basically, I was just really lucky that I got to meet her, because what she did is she kind of, like, did pattern cutting and sewing and made samples for me for the next show that I did yeah but then took over and then kind of started doing production and stuff but you learn it on the took job took a lot of the weight off and then it, still gave you the kind of lead that you wanted without having to worry about the production side I guess yeah and at the time like if, like you know fashion east and the, the, the industry was still kind of like a bit less it was still malleable enough that you could be a bit you could fuck around a little bit and you could get some orders and I was really lucky that like my first season Ray Kawakubo came oh wow so I got a story about her. So, <laughs> so, hell. Sorry, I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna like, not Go for just it. keep talking. And Give us all the name drops are great for the cut downs. <laughs> no, I don't, but basically so my first season that I took to sales, which wasn't the ICA club night one, I didn't do sales for that. The next season, the fashion show that I did that Naomi was working with me on, I had a rail of samples and it was in Paris and I had gone to visit Grace Wells Bonner. I'd gone Sick. to just hang out with her for a bit to see how she was doing. And Gareth Wrighton, who is now like art director of Dazed, he's like a 
Mara's friend. Like he yeah. was my assistant at the time. So he was just sat at my desk, like kind of like, you know, doing some of the orders. Yeah. And I was with Grace just chatting. I can remember my phone was going off like crazy. And I was just like, who's trying to phone me? I bet it's my fucking mum. I'll just ignore it. So I was talking <laughs> to Grace and then like, anyway, I was leaving and I checked my phone. I had like 27 missed calls all from Gareth. And yeah. And one message being like, Ray Kawakubo was at your rail. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And I ran like full pelt, like 10 minutes worth of running, like crying. Like, I was like, oh my God, this is the most important moment in my life. Like, oh my God. And I turn up and then like, I was like red. I was like sweating so much. Like it was so bad. And then basically all of the people from the British Fashion Council who were running the rail light were giving me this look like, why weren't you oh, here? Like, what the fuck? And then I went over and Gareth was like, babes. He was like, she only came to look at your rail. <gasps> and I was like, oh my God. But then supposedly what happened was that she turned up with like Adrian Joff and the Dover Street Market people. And supposedly what she does, she doesn't say anything. She yeah. just goes over to the clothes that she wants and she just lifts them up off the, on the hanger and she puts them down and she did it to my whole rail. No and way. And she just left. And then I was just like crying. I was like, <laughs> fuck, I missed out. I'm such a twat. Like, no. <laughs> And then I suddenly got my arm pulled and it's one of the BFC girls and she was, uh, so Ray was at Craig Green's like rail that was in another building across yeah. the road. She said, she's just coming out there quickly. And then I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to dry myself up and then I like went outside and then she, there she comes with like Adrian, like with looking so cool with like her glasses. And I'm yeah. like, hi, I'm Charles, like this. And then Adrian's like, oh, it's the boy who does the jumpers. And then she was just like, okay, like just shook her hand. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I really thank you so much. And then Adrian was like, it's okay. Like, don't worry, we're going to like, like, we didn't really want to buy your stuff. Brilliant. So then all so of the Dover Street. So what would that be for? Would that be? That was for all the Dover Street. So because wow. she did that, every single Dover Street market bought into my collection that season. My God. So. Just <laughs> as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's insane. Yeah. So, like, you know, I've, I've heard like people talk about their interactions with Adrian before. Yeah. But to actually have like Ray go there. Yeah. And pick the pieces out. That's like, I suppose that's like fashion folklore. That's like, I know. The so I don't get wrong. Fashion. What is what's connection to Com? Did she? She, she is, is Com. She is, basically, she is the designer of Com de Garçon. Yeah. 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 And, Has she and, always been? Yeah. So yeah. it was. Her yeah. Brand. I was gonna say I didn't yeah. want it to be like. And then it turns out that it's been. No, no. Yeah. It's her, it's her brand, and then obviously she has Dover Street Market as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Adrian sort of like heads that up. Yeah. And he'll do, he'll do like the buying for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's why it's I'm like to hear that Ray's gone in and actually picked that up. It's that's pretty yeah. wild. The top of the top. Yeah. So I was very very lucky i think just i don't know like you know i think doing the club night was a really good way to kind of get my voice heard because the clothes were quite basic clothes you know like they were a bit fucked with it was a bit of upcycling it was like a fisherman jumper with like a piece of like pvc artwork that i'd done like shoved into it with like a big oversized pair of trousers and it was all to do with styling you know because i wasn't yeah. i'm not like a cutter like i've never understood <clears throat> pattern cut and i'm like i wear this trouser like this and I've cut a hole in it to put a belt through it in this way. Can I replicate this? And Naomi's like, yeah, you just need to do, do this. And I'm like, okay, well maybe then that we just, and she's like, would you not want it to, these patterns to align like this? And I'm like, no, I want it to be like this because, so it's all based on styling. Yeah. So that's kind of, and so therefore the pieces were already quite grounded and quite buyable. And then also, cause I didn't really know how to cost things. They were also very cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then when it came to manufacturing afterwards, it was like, fuck. I mean, I was lucky that there were some things that then made me a profit than others. But yeah, it balanced itself out kind of in the end. It balanced itself out. So yeah. let's quickly take a step back because you've mentioned it a couple of times. Mm. Club night. Yes. What was the premise? Why did you do it? Where was it? And like, you know, who was going? So it was an. It was. It was literally my birthday party to begin with. So I was working at Georgian Dragon, which was down there, an old gay pub. And one of the guys that worked there was saying, "Oh, I've got this bloody night on the first of August that I'm doing," and I literally like. 
I just I haven't got any ideas of what to do and I'm really stressed out about it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, the first of all, it's my birthday. And he's like, do you want to just take the slot and then you can just have it? And, and then he was like, yeah, you, you, you can DJ, it's really cool. And I was like, yeah, I love Folk Fabrics, it's cute. Like, it's that would be really nice to do a party. Yeah. And then I was like, my, my friend Catrice was staying with me at the time and then she, I mean, she was like sleeping in my, my room before she was leaving to go to Berlin. And then we were talking about, oh, what should we do for it? And she was like, why don't we just do like those old nights that we used to love? Like, you know, Pony Step, like, you know, nuke them all, trailer trash. Like, why don't we try and do something that's a bit more like where we encourage people to dress up? Yeah. So that was how it started. And then I'd <laughs> asked my friend Jack, who I mentioned before, to make some set design pieces. And the whole point with, um, of it was that it was kind of meant to be like a sort of like St. Martin students shindig where people could meet <laughs> to make like, you know, like to sort of flirt with each other and peacock. And then I remember my friend Catrice was like, oh, what do you want to call it? And I was like, oh, I don't know, like something like romantic, something like a bit, you know. And I was thinking about that um, Love Below album by Outkast because I love nice. that. I was listening to that at the time. I was like, why don't I like Loverboy or something like that? And then she was like, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And then when we were doing the club poster, she said, oh, we need to do like a really fab club poster. So I was like, oh, I'll just like, why don't I just paint myself blue, like my drawings? <laughs> so then I painted myself blue and then like wore my BA red fur, like fake fur coat that I'd made. And then it looked just looked really club kiddy. So then I was like, okay, cool. And it was like, you just curate. It was just really creative. It was, and it was also just like fun to do on the side. So then did that. And then I put posters all around St. Martin's and it was just like a really cute night. Like loads of my friends turned up. My friend Salvador DJed who is now Sega Bodega. So like basically we had really good DJs and it was like Shy Girl used to live with me as well at the time. So her name was Doyelle. Well, her, name, her name is Doyelle. <laughs> but like they, they were all there. You know, it was like a cute crowd. And yeah. then the owner of the club night, um, the club space, Lyle was like, oh, this is a really good crowd. I really want you to do this again. So I was Brilliant. like, so I was like, fuck it, I'll do it. And then I got 200 quid as well from the door. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is really cool. I was like, fuck, this is great. So I asked, I, was, I asked, got asked to do it again. And then the next time I did it, I was like, okay, I really want to make it like a bit more formal. Like, I was really fun. So like um, we did like an Andy Warhol Polaroid kind of thing. So like we got some of my mates to come over to my place. I just like painted them in face paint, like my illustrations. And then we did all of these Polaroids and then I scanned them in and then put some text over it. Obviously like art directed it. <laughs> and then we did another one. And then the, I remember the font was like this disco font. It was like kind of like um like a vinyl. It was all kind of like, yeah, like serrated. Yeah. That one was really popular. I think I made like 600 quid on that one. After paying the DJs as well. And yeah, then I was like, oh my God, this is my rent. And I was working at a fucking call center at the time as well. And I was like, I really don't want to fucking work there anymore. So I was like, I'm, I could can that job. So how often were you doing these club nights then? What, what? was the distance between them? First Friday of every month. Oh wow, yeah, so, so still quite regular. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and it was like, honestly, it was just really fun. And then it was just like an opportunity for everybody to sort of like hang out. And then like, I remember like Show Studios started like posting about it. They were like, oh, we want to just like put a little bulletin out that you're doing this club night. Yeah. And it was just not, it just kind of, it just sort of like took off. And then at its peak, like I think six months in, it got so popular that there, there was like this queue that used to form from outside Vogue Fabrics and used to go all the way to Beyond Retro. So do you know where Vogue Fabrics is? I don't know. So it's like at the very top of Dalston, Kingsham Road. And basically, I mean, I don't know how many meters it was, but it would stretch all the way out. And my sister has got a picture of the queue that I've got on my desk that I still keep. Sick. And it's, it was just like, I was honestly so, yeah, it was like amazing. But I guess because no one really does that kind of stuff, do they really? Like, obviously you get club nights and you get like events, mm. but to have that kind of 
crossover it's not really a, a thing especially like do you yeah. still do them not so much i mean this, it's interesting because like now i've sort of like gravitated into music so i'm sort yeah. of like making music in the same way so it's like sort of working with friends bringing them together and then we make something so whether it's a club night but it's kind of got all of that like layeredness to it so i don't know i'm kind of keen to sort of get into like maybe more gig things but not like me like performing i mean maybe me performing but i don't know but then maybe going back into it but then through music yeah route, do you know what i mean yeah so, i don't know it just needs to, but then it's, this is the, the the good thing about kind of showing in a new city as yeah well. so i'm kind of jumping around well yeah we're gonna we're, we're definitely come off the we're gonna cover off music and like new mm. cities so who you who were you <clears throat> with on fashion east who was your class oh yeah that's good uh, so grace wells bonner and then i think the, so the first one was grace wells bonner and rory someone called rory i can't remember his second name now and he did like lots of black kind of goth stuff and then Grace stuff was obviously incredibly beautiful and poetic. Mm. And then Per Godson swapped out Rory. That's quite a strong little showing, like it's you, a great Grace, XXL but... freshman. <laughs> yeah, freshman class of two thousand and whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it was good. It was really good. I mean, like for me, it was really nice to sort of start with Grace, and I think what was quite interesting, and then also kind of Kiko was doing stuff like with New Gen. Yeah, and we all did the same course at St Martin's, so not the same year, different years, but we all kind of, and so that's what made that course quite prolific in a way because it was like fashion design with marketing so you were always asked to sort of like make a world around your work rather than just cutting garments all the time that's interesting because <laughs> like you know like most people who listen to this podcast probably know Grace from the Adidas stuff oh yeah yeah and like but she actually the reason why that collab's so good is it lives beyond the garments There's mm. there is a world around it and like yeah, the films yeah. and like all these things and same with Kiko Kiko is doing his own thing I suppose and mm -hmm. it's just like but that world exists even like the people who like go to the shows and like mm. things like that it's very much world building rather than just here as a collection yeah exactly and I think that's what's so important like you do get people who are incredibly talented and you know they'll be really talented in school and they'll do like the best collection you know they'll have like the show stopping moment or they'll close the show or whatever but actually you know then when they go into doing their own product it doesn't really translate or they're too set in their ways and how they want to make something or cut something and I think if you know you really like fashion have always liked fashion and also like know people like for me I've always been obsessed with like the industry like I used yeah. to watch every single style.com video like I love Tim Black I love knowing who styles what. Still now, like, I literally, like, I'm such a social butterfly. Like, if I see people in Paris, I'm like, rah, like, I literally run over. <laughs> and it's so important. And I don't do it in a fake way. Like, I just yeah. love getting to know people and meeting people. And, like, I think we've all been quite lucky in that we've got our own little worlds. Like, Grace works with, like, Tom Guinness, who I think is one of the best menswear stylists ever. Yeah. Like, Kiko has got, like, literally that whole sort of straight boy into fashion mentality around him. And he actually approaches menswear in one of the most unique ways, I think. And then, obviously, you've got people like Craig, who is like a lot you know he's a few years older than me but Craig I mean like thinking about communities like gave me one of my most important factories like he told me about this factory in China that does knitwear and then they made all of our like beanies like we've got these fucking ears beanies that like literally <laughs> I can't tell you how much money they make us like, <laughs> insane like they sell out every time we put them out well they're, they're, they're being ripped off quite a lot now as well I know. and also yeah. all of our other knitwear is getting ripped off I was in Milan and I was going through all of the stores and we do this thing and it's not really like that unique but we call it like a guddle technique so it's like intarsia. So like if you have a jumper that's got like a drawing in it and it's different colors, if you turn it inside out, you'll notice that there's like little knots when all of the different yes. colored blobs tie together. So what we do is we keep the, so they usually they get snipped off like the, the thread. We keep the thread and then we add more thread. So it's like a painting looks like it's kind of melting or it's kind of like- On the inside? Of, uh, so we turn it inside out. Okay. So you can kind of wear it reversibly, but it's better. I think it looks better on the, in, uh, on the outside, inside out. 
exactly. Yeah. And we've done that honestly now for about like four years and I have never seen it before. And I yeah. like, like to think that I know a lot. I mean, it's probably, I'm sure some people have done it before <clears throat> to a certain extent. Like, doublet used to do something with like, where they used to have the logo, dub, the doublet logo and oh all God, the yeah. strings used to hang down. Yeah, they do like a lot of embroidery stuff yeah. like that. But, and, and now I'm seeing literally like so many copies of it. And yeah. the thing is, it's like, I'm not, I don't care because it's like whatever, everything is so ephemeral, but it's interesting when it it's quite topical. It's quite recently, yeah. you know, I'm like, okay, that's a bit too close to home. <laughs> yeah. You know, but and I don't mean, whatever, I don't really care. It's fine. Well, before we move on to the to the present, right? the question, what has been the most embarrassing trend you've been part of or outfit that you've worn? Oh my God, that's such a good question. I think, <laughs> God, do you know what? I'll be completely honest with you. I hated being called the club kid. Like I honestly hated it. Like the first major dazed and confused article was like, meet Charles Jeffrey, the ringleader of the new Dolphin Club Kids. <laughs> and I was like, I remember my stomach dropping. Not only a club kid, you were the club I kid. I was the club kid. And it was just like, I'm not a club kid. Like, I mean, I mean, I kind of embrace it now and I understand that I probably was one. Yeah. But I was like, kind of wanting to be taken a little bit more seriously. I'm a designer. Guys. I'm a designer. Like, but it's just, I think kind of being parred off a little bit in that space. And then also to a certain extent, I mean, I can't, it's like kind of, I don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Yep, that, yeah, that's the one. Because it did help me propel into a narrative and it still helps me now. But I think <clears throat> there was something about like being sort of told that I was this thing when I wasn't able to kind of like talk about it in my own yeah. way and not being controlled. And, and then also sort of like the gender kind of conversation, even though I thought it was really important, it got researched. I just thought it was, for me, it was never really a thing. It was just like, it was just my mates. And it was, I've always worn makeup. I've always yeah. kind of like been a bit kind of fluid, I guess. But then now when you see people who literally latch onto it and make it their whole modus operandi, like I think it's just so- Whole <laughs> what, sorry? Modus operandi. I never heard of it. I don't know if I even use it in the right way, it, to be honest. You know, they make their whole personality that there's yeah. there's nothing more to them whereas for you it was just it's just who you were it was just who i was and so i don't know that there was a trend in that that i think is slightly problematic and it was and and it's like a lighthouse like people aren't really on it now and for me i think that's a bit like annoying but but yeah i guess that would be it but then also there was one time i got put in a paper and i had it was like a scottish paper and i remember being really excited about it coming out and I think it was like the Daily Record or something, but it was like this kind of shit Scottish paper. I was really excited about it. And we lightly spoke about like what my interests were outside of fashion. And I said, well, I love playing video games. I was going to come on to that as well. Yeah. And I was like, I really love playing Pokemon as well. Like it's always been something. And then so the headline on this fucking paper was Scottish designer is inspired by Pokemon for his designs. Oh my God. And I was like, I'm no not way. inspired by Pokemon. Like I love Pokemon, but I like, I mean, maybe I am inspired so you, by Pokemon. You were Nico Panda basically. I was basically Nico. That's what they <laughs> No, it was. no, but that's the thing. Yeah. That, that, that is the thing, because Nico Panda was that, you know, and like Nicola Formacetti is like, has done some incredible things, but that brand for me was what I was getting powered next to. <laughs> and then also, you know, like God rep, God bless him. I mean, Eden from art school, like whatever happened there, you know. But that being powered off with that, it just didn't give me much scope to escape. And I was like a bit frustrated with that. So that kind of trend, nice. that's my answer to your question. So <laughs> Pikachu was your worst. <laughs> I love Pikachu. Oh my God, I love Pokemon. I'm playing it, I'm playing, I'm playing it right now. Um, on Is it my, Switch? On my Switch and I fucking love it. So we're going to skip to Loverboy is out there. Mm. You're a designer. Mm -hmm. Things are happening. Mm -hmm. So Loverboy is now out. Mm -hmm. You're a designer. You're no longer a club kid. Mm -mm. What is the brand? So the brand is 
I guess how can I just tell it? So we have it's another like club a, kids around them. No, it's got it's got like it's got like a motto. It's got it was it used to be aggressively fab out and raging, aggressively fabulous, and it was like since 2014. But I think we're going to do a little bit of a change on that. But basically, it's a it's an established brand. It has 15 plus employees, so 15 core employees, and then a larger group of employees that work as part of my merger company, which um, invested into me January of last year. And they're called Tomorrow, and we're sold in just short of 100 stores worldwide. Brilliant. We have a really great e-commerce site and it's like a proper established business that has like a merchandising team, a sales team, a design team, a marketing team, a social media team and you know HR team you know like all of those things so it's like a proper established brand and you know it's 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 like basically had its I mean the thing is it's now about to take on board its probably biggest next step so Mm. since Covid we were you know putting out work still doing what everyone else was doing finding creative solutions to stuff and then like last September last year we tried to do a show during London Fashion Week and it was just a complete shit show because London Fashion Week was just massively overcrowded and was just all over the place Mm. we didn't have the best PR our partner we didn't have a good production partner it was just all over the place and the show was fucking and I tried to put everything into it yeah and it was just not the right time so then you know I took a bit of a break and decided to just like do two soft launches and then I was like I can't be in London anymore I have to be in one of the big cities you know like I have to start if I'm investing that amount of money into a show like I need to make sure that like people that are there are actually people that need to see it yeah not just my friends and some silly people from London who are like well not I don't want to dismiss it that much but like you know what I'm trying yeah, to say? Like it has to be, I had to get my bank for my bonuses. You don't need Danny sat front rows, what are you trying to say? <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I had Sadiq Khan at my show and I was kind of like, okay, well, it was nice to have a conversation afterwards. But the problem was, is that I was on the schedule just before a business of fashion dinner. So then everyone left. Yeah. And so I was waiting, like you always do at the end of a, your runway to speak to the press and no one came to speak to me. Oh. And I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that didn't happen because of fucking some people not getting their shit together and bringing them out there. And, like, you know, I don't want to say anything bad. But you know, like I've had good. Yeah, I don't want to get too much. Yeah. <laughs> Have you thought about making beanies? <laughs> yes. I mean, beanies are our fucking one of our highest selling things, and that makes us a lot of money. But it's also interesting. So you know, through having a big team, you can also sort of like analyze where you are. So you do like a bit of a sort of like checkup on the body of the business. So it's like, okay, well, we have this hero product. Like that's this thing that does really, really well. And we did a SWOT analysis on it. You know, like what are the strengths and weaknesses of having a hero product? You don't want to be typecast as being the ears beanie brand. Yeah. But also, you want to leverage like really great sell through in every store percentages. So then stores are buying into the other mainline products. Yeah. You know, you also are able to get your brand name across lots of different people. Like loads of celebrities are wearing. I remember like the other day there, like, you know, seeing Rosalia wearing an ears beanie and then next minute Cardi B's wearing an ears beanie. Then Future's wearing an ears beanie. Then Drake's (laughs) wearing an ears beanie. Then some basketball players wearing it who I don't even know who's really famous. And then like every week there's like three or four different bloody um, K-pop bands that are wearing it. And now I have (laughs) this guy called Harold who's an old friend of mine, an old lover boy, club kid. And he does all of my copywriting for me and writes my press release he's so talented and he's obsessed with k-pop he's like this big tall gay scotsman like buff as fuck but <laughs> loves k-pop and does all of the dances and it's like he loves it but every week he, and he's like charles you know that like he's like i never see you post anything about these k-pop stars and i'm like well i never know i don't really know who they are yeah and he's like these people have got so many followers these people are like so well and then when we check the stats on like the sales through in in korea it's like like we're like some 90 percent 100 sale through oh in God. some stores so wow. you know, we're in a really prime place and for me it makes sense for us to be in a premium place to be a small fish in a big pond in terms of brands but we've got all of the elements already aligned yes 
And then it's also like, I needed some time after doing that weird show in September post COVID, like I realized out of everything, it's like, I need to take care of myself and I actually need to grow as someone that owns a business. Like I can't yeah. just fuck around and be, you know, like charming Charles Jeffrey, who's able to like have ecstasy at the end of the show at a party <laughs> and then roll into work and just like spin off some ideas. It's like, I'm over that. I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, back then I was 31, now I'm 32. Like, as I said, I've got like a team of like 15, like I need to be on type, so uh, on point. So, you know, I decided to become sober. I decided to get, look after myself. And then in those two like seasons, I was like, I just need to grow and understand what my business is doing and apply creative thinking, not to just like some will of the wisp sort of idea or a fucking image making project, actually to how we create products, merchandise them and how we sell them and how we can actually move the body of the business in the right direction, you know? So, and speaking of terrible shows, you're on PAQ. Oh my God. <laughs> is that, is that what, like, is all like, what the, the fuck are you about to say, pal? Like, literally just... So you went so Scottish then as well? <laughs> just like, excuse me, pal. <laughs> so that was the turning point for the brand. You met, yeah. you met Danny and the boys and the upward sales from there. Yeah. No, but that was really interesting because there were, I've actually had lots of people stop me in the street being like, oh my God, I saw you on PAQ. Really? Like a large amount of people. No way. So yeah. what, what, what happened on this episode? Uh, you teamed it with Shaq, didn't you? No, no, I teamed up with Shaq and um, it was about... Best of British. Best yes, of British. That was it. Yeah, so then he worked with me, which I was so... Like, I was honestly, like, so, like, bashful. I was like, oh my God, me? Like, you know, and it was really good. Was, like, obviously, like, I was watching the show and it was like... And I remember just stumbling on it one day and then I was like, oh my God, I love this. Like, this is so good. And then actually being asked, you know, it was like, really, I was really, like, um, I was really um, grateful to be asked. I think oh. Shaq won that episode. Blondie judged it, didn't he? Yeah, I think Shaq did win it. Yeah. Did he win it? Oh, he yeah, did. he did win it. Yeah, I remember yeah. that like panning at the end, that slow-mo filming of him walking around in that really heavy leather coat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was nuts. I have such a crush on Blondie McCoy. I think he's so hot. <laughs> But when he was judging the outfit, I was like, oh my God, I hope he says he likes it. And he was like, mm. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's funny because I sometimes message Thames as well because like when he did, when they did the Francis Bacon collection, yes. I was like, fuck, I want everything. And it sold out in like five minutes. So I like messaged them so many times and just been like, oh my God, can I, do you have any more of those jackets? And just read the message and didn't reply back to me. And I'm like, oh. Well, also, when you kind of got your act together, let's say, mm. you did the marathon. A oh, London yeah. marathon. Were you a runner before this? Yes. So I kind of started running after, kind of around the time actually that we did PAQ because I think I'd just done my show. It was one of my, I guess, seminal shows called Tantrum. And I was kind of in a bit of a dark place. Like I was sort of like still clubbing loads and still partying loads, but then I was taking so many drugs and I was literally just like finding myself like really like skewed and not understanding the world and like being a bit weird mm. and not, and just being really anxious and not looking after myself. So I decided to, I took some time off. Like I think I took like a week off from the studio. I said like, I just need to figure myself out. And in that week, I remember I went to like an organic shop and I bought a book on like a detox book yeah. and then bought everything before buying the book, like looked at recipes and bought all of the stuff. And then I said, I need to start exercising. So yeah. I decided to like take up running because I just thought that was the one thing that could be something that I could do. And it's really easy. Yeah. So yeah, I just started running. I think that was probably like 2018. Yeah. And then I did my first marathon in 2019 and did a sober stint before then as well. And just to set myself a goal. And then I did it again this year. That's it. So. And you ran it alongside our good friend Corbin. And oh, Helen as well, of course. Yeah. Let's get Helen on at some point. She's oh, fantastic. She's as well. so good. 
I love Corbin and Helen so much. And Corbin was really interesting because he came into my periphery because someone sent me a flag that he did that said Loverboy on it. Yeah. And then they were course. like, and they were like, you should you should do something about this. And I'm like, whoa, it's like I don't own the word. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, and I also think this is really cool. I like only wish he put it on a Scottish flag, but like uh, yeah. you know, that was my only like qualm with it. You know, I I my friend um I have a friend of mine called Connor who used to send me videos of him when he used to dance. What, like, Corbin's dance? Yeah, Corbin, and be like, and then be like, and be like, oh my God, he's so hot. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's like really fit. And then um, I found out I was running with him. And then basically we met up in the park, Victoria Park, where I run a lot. And then we just sat down and had like a really, really lovely, long conversation. Yeah. Like literally we pulled, we ran one round of Victoria Park and then just sat and think talked like for two hours. And I was like, oh my God, you're fucking, so-. he was so sound. Oh. I think for like people who are coming to this podcast noon, maybe this their first or an early one they've listened to. Mm. Going to listen to Corbin, I think, is quite interesting because you know you're both CSM, but it, feel, it feels like you really flourished in CSM. Whereas oh yeah, he he really didn't enjoy the experience as much. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. that's quite you know your story is like it's it's not the norm. I think his is probably closer to the norm of like not finding those people straight away mm. and like being a bit scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think it's good to sort of like mention that and like it can be something people can listen to and go, oh fuck, I can, you don't have to go that way to be end no. up being a success. You can go that way as well. No, of course. And I mean, like I teach at St. Martin's now and I mean, I was teaching in other schools as well, like ever since I was started my brand. So it's been like, what, six, seven years now. And, you know, I have seen how students have completely transformed, like since the fees have gone up and how, it's like yeah. now that they're not at, no, they're not they don't go to art school now to think or to create or to be playful. I mean, they go there to try and succeed and to use yeah. it as a stepping stone. And you do see some students now, and like I just recently did a, a talk class, and there was one or two that are there that are just literally just using it as a fucking Instagram thing and like <laughs> taking a picture against that cement wall of themselves. And it's just like you're not even doing any of the work; you're just like posing. And I think that what I'm trying to say is I don't actually think that that system is necessarily the way in anymore like you can actually like do if you if you're able to like work and do a job on the side and maybe work for another brand I mean this is the problem with London to the extent is that the government doesn't fund young people to take other paths they just put them through this education yeah. system it's like would you be going to CSM if you didn't get the qualification piece of paper at the end of it yeah if you just went to learn stuff would you be there or I, are you I, just going I to used say it for the loan. So well, yeah, I, yeah, I basically yeah. didn't go to university in my second or third year. I worked in in an agency. Yeah. But yeah. I just took that money and had like a nice flat and like yeah, you know, yeah, I didn't yeah. have to like where you're saying like where am I get my next paycheck? I didn't have to do that because I had like the maintenance grants and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I was able to do that, also have a job and then work within industry. Mm. And by the end of year three, I was like, Yeah, I had some debts obviously, but yeah. I'm not gonna pay <clears> them ever. Well, I think that's the thing. I mean, if you can get a job or you can kind of na- navigate your I mean it's just knowing what your skill what you what your skill sets are. Like sometimes I think that I probably would have been better just working in industry head on just because I'm quite a good people person yeah. and I think I would have been able to navigate myself a good job through doing it but maybe I, I mean I say that but I might not have had the same situation Yeah. but yeah I don't know like I think young people kind of just think that St Martin's is the only option but actually like I think if you can you know cultivate yourself in, in lots of different you know jobs and learn from lots of different people I think you can kind of gain a bit of an understanding because at one point I remember like I think it was I was having a really bad time on my BA and I remember just thinking like fuck I actually hate this like I spent all this money and I actually don't want to do this like yeah. this is so bad I wish I just tried lots of different things like my sister for example she dropped out of high school at 16 and worked in American Apparel worked her way up was a manager there then came down to 
London, got a job at Good Hood, was manager of Good Hood. Then she decided to not do fashion anymore. Oh no, she moved to Copenhagen, worked for some people in fashion, then decided she didn't want to do it. And then has moved back to Scotland and then now works in, uh, she's got a job in Berlin prison doing like prison reform and like what? helping people. So she's got, she's done a course in her MA. Yeah. Um, you know, basically is now working with like drug addicts and like criminals and um, people trying to like basically change their lives. That and does sound like a fashion week party. I mean, basically, yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, she's, but she's gained all those skills from all of those different things. And now, you know, in her 30s, she's able to like find out what she wants to do. And I think that's almost like more of a valid affirming, uh, affirming thing. Yeah. I'm like lucky that my brand has allowed me to do all the things I want to do. Yeah. And I'm now like a bit like, yeah, I love fashion. I always love fashion, but I don't want to just be, a fa- I don't actually want to, I don't even like to say that I am a fashion designer. I'm not, I don't think I am anymore. Like I'm a person, well, I guess creative director. I hate that term. <laughs> I am a creative director because I work and I direct my team creatively yeah. to do outcomes. But you're there to like provide the passion and provide the kind of tools to yeah let them do their thing. It's, yeah. And yeah. you also, one of the skills that people don't tell you about having a job like this is you have to be a really good people person. 100%. You know, like you have to be able to talk with lots of different departments and like understand their sensibility and be able to work with them. And also like a lot of my job is management. So I had leadership training. I do one-on-ones. I have to do like reports. And, you know, for me, that's really important because I understand my own body more, you know, my own business yeah. body. And some people are just like fucking, I mean, everyone's different and everything is valid, but you do have some people that are just cunts and they just don't even know what to talk. <laughs> and they'd like just rely on their creativity and that's why they don't succeed that's it like slow and steady stable good vibes like good quality product relevance is another thing you know relevance is a lighthouse you know that's what yeah. people need to understand if you chase clout and you chase relevance it's you'll never get shined on no exactly <laughs> or you'll just become like a sugar rush brand or be like balenciaga that's probably going to fail now because of the pedophilia do you know what i mean that's a good point then so you know you're obviously doing your management you're like learning the business but what brands are inspiring you i love and have always loved comp Yes. So, I mean, I know we've already talked about Ray Kawakubo, but I just love that menswear comme de garçon en plus for me. It's just so playful, but then still kind of like really like indie and alt. And it just always looks like how all my favorite band, like all my favorite bands. But then it's also really modern, but then it's also like inspired by like history. And it's like, I don't know, like I just feel like nothing does comme en plus better. Like nothing is better than Comme en plus. And like, yeah. I would love to see, I would like, I always like say and reference it. But then I, I think Jonathan Anderson is also like a huge like inspiration to me. Like, I mean, how he is as a leader in his business and how he talks about his brand and his business and creativity. I don't know, like I just find him like a North Star in so many ways. Like, I mean, I know some people say certain things about him, but like, I just always feel so like inspired by him. Is that just for J.W. Anderson or do you like Loewe as well? I love Loewe. I love J.W. Anderson. I love Olivier Rizzo as well as a stylist. So I love what he did, what he does with Margiela and obviously what um, John Galliano does at Margiela. Like that sensibility is so good. It's also just like those looks are so unique. Like you don't see anything that looks like that. You know, it's like that very, very interesting kind of like pastiche on like military meets kind of like modernism meets like kind of artisanal kind of art work made manifest stuff. I mean, all these silly words I'm saying, but you know, like it, like yeah. that for me. But Com en plus is my favorite. That's my favorite thing. And also with you personally, mm. where do you, do you ever buy any garments of clothing now? Or is it just all your own stuff? I'm basically so lazy. Like I literally only ever wear my own stuff. <laughs> well, I design it for myself, you know? Yeah. And like, I'm really lucky I get like a really big uniform allowance every season. So like I basically get a new wardrobe every every like six months. What do you but do I mean, with the other ones? You are. What do you do with your unwanted garments? They're all kept in 
boxes under my bed if I move Sick. and shift them. So, um, yeah. But you're not the only person wearing mm. Charles Jeffrey, are you? Give us some name drops of who else we can see. You've done the hats, but who's wearing garments? Uh, Rosalie is wearing a lot of Lover Boy at the moment, which is really nice. And um, we have, like, I mean, like these kind of pop star Dua Lipa wears a lot of stuff. Arlo Parks wears a lot of stuff. Um, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton is wearing stuff of ours. Um, I mean, like, she, that was a really great kind of sort of situation that happened. Like, I met her on a photo shoot for Candy magazine. I don't know if you know that no. kind of transgender fashion magazine. And we just, like, really hit it off. Like, you know, she basically is um, from Scotland. She's from Swinton. And her family have owned this uh, area of land on Swinton since, like, 866. Like, that long. Good deal. And um, her dad was a big, um, really high up in the military. So, obviously, we connected on, like, both of our dads being in the military, being Scottish... And she also loves SNL. So you, I don't know if you guys watch SNL, but there's this like scene that's like, um, it's called Super Showcase. And it's basically like, we were just quoting stupid things like that. And it's like, I'm not sure there's beef, Carl, but beef sounds right. Definitely beef. And we were just like saying all these like stupid things to each other. And like we, and then she's like, I need to have your number. And then, um, so we just like started texting. And then like, I remember one morning she, I woke up to a text and it just said, Tilda Swinton, I've been thinking about you all morning. I hope you're doing well, Charles Kisses. Just out of the blue and I was like what the fuck and you know like we also have a little kind of sharing because I'm kind of really good friends with Tim Walker the photographer and you know there's it's just there's a group of people that kind of all orbit around that world and she's one of them and she's just really honestly like she's so enigmatic and she's exactly how you would want someone like that and iconic to be she's just so fun that makes me really upset because you were sat next to her at dinner with Armani the whole night and you had no idea who she was. Shut she was on the up. table next to us and like you two were next to each other. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, they were like, there's a special guest. I'm like, oh, we wonder who it is. We were there for, um, we were there for the Venice Film Festival. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. we were like, oh, it's going to be a movie star, obviously. Yeah. Tilda Swinton comes in. I was like, oh my God. He's like, basically it was like him, like those Jordan Hames, Ollie, Pixie, and, and they were all like, who's that? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Tilda Swinton. iconic. <laughs> And like, but then two just sat next to each other, like kind of like side by side, not on the same table, but like, two, and it was just like, no, and I'm like staring. And it's so funny because there's so many fan accounts. Yeah. And all of a sudden I had like all these, like my views on my stories just went massively spiked. Cause I had a, fo- I had a video of you and she's just in the background. Yeah. And all these fan accounts somehow found these things like reposting these oh videos of Danny with Tilda Swinton in the God. background. Did you speak to her? Did, no. I saw, nah, I was it, so. it was a person next to her, I think. I think she either dropped a fork or something like that. We made eye contact and made a little joke about it. That was it. I can't remember if it was hair or not, but yeah. Who would be your dream celebrity to wear, Loverboy? I would be really... Dead or alive? Andy Warhol. Yeah? Andy Warhol or maybe like, I mean, like singer would be like Bjork. Um, I have a question for you guys. Go for what it. What was your worst celebrity encounter? Uh, easy. My, I'll always go work-wise yeah. uh, rather than just me kind of think. Um, and I always used to say Steph Don, but I was shooting a video for um, for days. I was shooting the new Valentino show and we had Z-Way, who's like this amazing American comedian. Mm-hmm. And she was like going around interviewing people about like, you know, it's the first show back over COVID, blah, blah. And they didn't provide us with anyone to actually go and speak to like the celebrities and say, hey, you're up being in this video. So it ended up being on me. So I'm like trying to direct the video and also do this stuff. And everyone was like so lovely. Like everyone was so nice. Mm. And like the American talent knew who Z-Way was because she was just about to blow up and like she's really blowing up now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember I was like thinking with like a bit of a commercial head, I'm like, cool, who could we get in? So we had like, even like Charlie D'Amelio, Dixie D'Amelio, just get them in quickly, you know, mm. get, get those clicks on TikTok. Yeah. And 
Brooklyn Beckham's there, you know, the, the famous chef. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> he's a photographer as well. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. And um, I was like, hey, um, you know, it's for days. I thought, oh, he'll know days. I was like, oh, you know, it's for days. Can we just ask you a couple of questions about the show? Mm. And he's like, uh, uh, and he's like, bouncer came in and was like, uh, well, what's this for? I was like, oh, days, you know. And I was like, days is so much cooler than him. He should feel like, oh, I want to be in days yeah. kind of thing. And then, like, they all sort of like huddled around each other. And I was like, okay, it's not that deep. Like, I'll just fuck off. And uh, they were like, yeah, um, Z-Way's there ready to ask me questions. And they're like, he's only going to do photos, no videos. Take some photos of him now. And I went, um, and then literally Emily Ratajkowski was like, oh my God, Z-Way. And I was like, no, we've got real famous people to talk to now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And oh, I was, love Emily It was Emily and you. fucking Julia Fox waiting after each other to be interviewed. I was like, and we couldn't even get Bro- Brooklyn Beckham. I was like, fuck off. Oh, so yeah, twat. Jesus Christ. <laughs> do you want to know mine? Yes. Your, Kate Moss. Oh. Mm, and I was absolutely heartbroken. I cried. Go on. So I was, I think, 26. So it was like just as Loverboy kind of kicked off. And I remember I was with all of the Lover Boys the night before and we were like completely fucked up. We were so like, it was like some crazy after party. And then I, I went to a friend of mine's birthday. He's a good friend of hers. And it was like a really star studded group of people. I turned up to this like really like posh restaurant, like somewhere like North. And then I was sat next to Harry Styles. And then someone who was from like, I think some sort of like really crazy rock band. I can't remember the name now, but like basically it was like very kind of indie. Yeah. I'm just going to say it was like an another magazine kind of crowd. Yeah. Okay. So I was there and then basically I remember seeing Kate Moss basically arrive in this car that our bouncer was driving. And then I remember the car like kind of as it arrived at this <laughs> restaurant and she just like came slapping out and then her hands were like this she was literally like shaking and then basically like came over to the guys whose birthday it was and was like i've got this emerald for you it's just like oh i've just been at uh, um some gig that she was at and she's like i'm not slept da, da, da. and then basically tried to shove this like emerald in his ear <laughs> he's just like okay da, da, da. anyway so that's my like first interaction of seeing her and i'm like that's kate moss i was literally like, oh my it's god prime kate moss it's prime kate moss cut to the after party where we were at the um the person's friend's house again in north london like this really amazing townhouse and we we're in the garden and then she's doing um one of the other guests at the house's hair she was doing one of the other guests at the house no she was doing <laughs> she was doing their hair so it's like this thing called a Chelsea facelift where you do like two plaits at the side and then you pull it up and then you put your hair over the plait so like it's kind of like a fake lift on your eyes and she was like pulling it really tight and then the woman was just a bit like oh um Oh, like, ow, like this. <laughs> and then I hadn't introduced myself to her at this point, but I was sat kind of like pissed, like, like at this point, like just drinking through the hangover that I had before. And I was going, Kate, I think you're hurting her. And then she she was literally like gone from being really happy and then her face dropped and she just gave me this like horrible look. And then she was just like, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? And why the fuck are you here? No one knows who you are. And I was like, oh my Jesus God. Christ. And then she was like, have you even seen the fucking state of your hair? And I had like just started losing my hair at that point and I had like a little beret on and like a tuft hanging out I'm already so insecure and like I was just like oh my god and then I literally and the guy whose birthday it was was like Kate Kate he's a friend of mine and she was just I don't even know who the fuck he is oh my god still going on just shouting all this abuse and I remember feeling this like cold cold feeling in my stomach like just like as if like you know when you don't know if you ever were bullied at school but like if the bully ever like said something to you and you just get that whole cold feel and I was so embarrassed it was in front of so many people and everyone kind of like just was a bit like this and I remember just like going back into the house and then just crying in the toilet <laughs> I was like so upset and then I had to go back out there and have a brave face and then she kind of I think my friend had like spoken to her and she saw 
sort of like was a bit like nicer to me, but I was just terrified. I was like terrified of her. Yeah. And like, I just, she obviously what probably won't even remember because she was like quite clearly fucked up, but I was just like, I was obsessed with her. I used to have like pictures of her on my wall. No way. And then like the fact that she reacted like that to me, I was just so heartbroken. I mean, you so can take the girl out of Croydon, but. <laughs> she literally, she just came for me. I was just like, oh, I was just like, okay, I think you're hurting her. And then she just like completely, it was like her eyes went completely like dead. And yeah. She just like had a like screaming match at me. Transformer. Like, oh, Have you met her since? No. Oof. Bloody no. Laura. No. We've got a surprise for you. <laughs> <laughs> She's been waiting in your fucking bedroom all this time. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but anyway, on a quite a different topic, before we head to the future, mm. if your house is on fire, Charles Jeffrey. So, Kate Moss is, Kate Moss has found <laughs> out where you live. And she has set it on fire out of spite. Oh my god. Your house is on fire. You can save one item of clothing from your wardrobe, slash mm. under your bed. What would you save and why? Oh my god, I don't know because I love all of my pieces, but I think I'd probably just keep something that means something to me, which is obviously like a really cheesy way to do it. But my sister bought me this really beautiful John Carl's John JC de Casper Jack sweater, and yeah. it has like I think it just has like Rupert the Bear on it or something like that. And I don't know, I just remember she bought it for me at a really kind of like dark time in my life. And yeah. I remember it just every time I wore it, oh, that sounds so cheesy. Every time I wore it, I just felt better. But that is the truth. Yeah. And I think like, I don't wear it as much now, but like I think I would, I would take that with me because it got me through a hard time. Nice. Of course. I know that sounds really cheesy no, and normal, but that is actually the truth. Like, you know, like having, yeah. that, and every time I see it, because I don't wear it, but every time I pick it out, out of something, I'm like, oh, it's like a... No, I think it's nice, nice and you know you could probably make something again if it's like as if it's one of your things. Yeah. But like that, I think sentimental is always nice. 100%. So guys, we're about to move into the future section and our bonus rounds. But I feel like we're gonna do something that's probably terrible for an audio only format. We're gonna do an unboxing. Oh yeah. Now, oh, yeah. Now Charles very nicely brought a little gift over here. So <laughs> Danny, for a second I was like, oh, I got a gift. I was like, oh shit. So Danny, I want you to uh, describe what's happening. You're, you're a man of many words. Use some of them now. And Danny's gone bright pink. <laughs> Talk, mate. Oh, no, it, I hope you have the tools to actually play it. <laughs> Sick. T-shirts? T-shirts, merch. T-shirts. Official band merch. Official Charles official band, band merch. merch. And official limited edition Loverboy record. There we go. And we do have a vinyl player as well. Do you? It's currently not set up. It's currently oh, a podcast, uh, podcast mic, um, what do you call it? Holder? Yeah. Microphone stand? That's a beautiful microphone stand. So, yeah, just to sort of break this out. So there's band merch. So let's talk about this album. Is this like the evolution of Loverboy? Yes. I would say so. And also, thank you very much, by the way. No, my pleasure. I'm happy to give it to you. It's like such a nice feeling to give something like this because it's not only just like clothes, it's something that actually can affect your emotions and it can like kind of live longer than an ephemeral piece of clothing can, you know? So, I mean, the merch yeah. is great. I mean, I think it's very good t-shirts. It's got um, our official print for the most recent music video called Blast, which is um, a song with this amazing rapper called Talia Bull, who actually used to intern for me. Sick. And so she features on the album. But um, it's not like me singing loads of songs and then just sticking you know my label on it it's actually like for me like a transformation of my approach so you know I would do all of this creative direction and apply it to like the shows and to like the products but now like I used to always get so involved with the show soundtrack yeah and like literally like every single thing and then we started doing our own custom soundtracks and then like when I was doing videos for like you know our collaborations I was like literally leading and sending tiny little bits and saying this is how I want it to be and I want this arc to here and I want to finish like this and then I want this vocal to be like this brilliant so it was like I just was like I don't 
don't know why I'm not just doing an album, you know? Yeah. And I have so many friends who are in music and so many friends that I've just wanted to work with more formally. And like, this was just an opportunity for me to do it. So it's technically the campaign for my Autumn Winter 22 collection, like a lateral. Yeah. Because that was the budget that we used. Because we had a budget to do uh, like any campaign. So like you could work with a good photographer, a glossy model, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, I just want to make an album. And then we use the tracks to then make music videos to then- I was going to say the music videos. Then yeah. feature all of the collection. And yeah. the collection was all inspired by music. It was called Art of Noise. It was inspired by the No Wave movement of the late 70s and Arthur Russell. And I just thought, fuck it, I just want to do this. So. John Butzer. <laughs> no, no, I just remember He's very happy. Uh... No, no, just Arthur Russell being brought up. Like the documentary, the Arthur Russell documentary oh, is amazing. So good. But I matched this girl on a dating app once before I was not single and she was just like you look like I know what to say she said basically was like oh no I like I like the look of you you don't you don't look like every other twat on here pretends to like Arthur Russell and I was like I do like Arthur Russell I think most of my pictures were like me wearing jogging bottoms and stuff like that so and I was like I know I do I'm that, I'm that shit art school kid. Uh, <laughs> oh my god I love him so much. So um, you're shit art school kid you're club kid mm-hmm. what am I? Like an a sort of OAP kid. You look. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, do you know what a nan kid is? A nan kid. A nan kid. No, but I can, those, I can imagine what it is. It's those kids at school that are definitely like raised by their nans. Where they got <laughs> such like a. It's a bit of like a. Oh a bit of like a snitch, bit of a knobhead, and it's like obviously they're a great band, but like they love like Queen, age ten. Yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're an old soul. An old soul. Yeah, yeah, you're like, like an old soul. Nans love them. Yeah, yeah, Kids, yeah. Kids, yeah. not so much. Have <laughs> like, you seen that video of that boy that goes and apparently I've never been on live TV before, <laughs> and he just like his inflection is literally like an old American yeah. man, and 100%. it's so cute. But I love the phrase nan kid. It's, nan kid. It's such. It's quite an applicable phrase. Sounds like an anime. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Nanted. I bet there is an anime that exists. It's like an old, like a toddler that dresses like a granddad. I bet that exists. Me. <laughs> we can get, we can commission it. 100%. Yeah, there we go. Let's do it. So obviously you, you've taken a different approach to creating this universe. Mm. And that's what we've been speaking about with you. And there's a word for it, which I can't think of right now, where it's about like you existing within different platforms. Mm. You do have one other love that we've kindly briefly mentioned. Is there ever going to be a lover boy computer game? Oh, and what would that look like? Oh my God, I would absolutely love that. I think it would definitely be open world. Sick. And I think it would be RPG. Nice. Which is the same thing, I guess. Um, and I think it would be something a bit like, do you ever play Fable? Where you can, where you can take different choices and it can affect the, 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 uh. ga- the game. So you can either be like really evil or really good in it. Yeah. So I think there's something that's like kind of like you can take different choices and it would affect something. Maybe you would have like a little familiar with you, like that would be like some sort of lover boy creature or something. I'm a sucker for character customization as well. Yeah, but that was why, I, you know, I honestly thought I was going to be a video game designer when I was growing up. So that was when my friends, one of my friends was a genius. His name was Jamie Moore. And I don't know what he's up to now. I think he works in maths or something, but he was like a brilliant genius and actually was so clever that he made his own board game. Oh, wow. And I can't remember what he called it, but then I was the one that drew all the characters. So he came up with the rules of it all and then he would ask me to draw like the mages and the wizards and the thing. And I just, we, and we, I used to go over to his house and we would I just mages, not wizards? 
Mages are not wizards. I, actually... I thought mage was magic. I was a mage on RuneScape. <laughs> maybe a mage is maybe a mage is the thing. Oh my god, RuneScape. He's a love RuneScape. Yeah, I love RuneScape. But yeah, I think it would be something like that. I also loved as well. I was thinking about this recently. Do you remember the Matrix games? And I thought about so I thought how much I loved that. And Goldeneye on Nintendo. Do you remember that? Oh, and the pause music was the, the best so of all the time. Like, <laughs> so good. Yeah. So I mean, but to be fair, I've I've spoken to my um. We have like a team that do collabs for all the other brands with the investor tomorrow. And I said to them, I was like, oh, I, I should t- say this to you now because I I, know, I bet it's quite long form, but I really want to do a collaboration with Nintendo. Yeah. So they're going to reach out to them next year and we're just going to see what happens. So. Well, two that could be incredible. There's one, which is like, obviously, I've heard about all the interests and it's horrendously uh, thingies. Fortnite skins, obviously, pretty yeah. huge. But apparently the... the who is it that we're oh, chatting to? The fees. The yeah, thing the is, I've never, pl- I've never, I've never played Fortnite, and I feel like it might be a bit inauthentic. Yeah. yeah, like you can actually buy skins on Pokemon, and I feel like that would be something I could. Do. Well, for me, I mean, I've got. A, I've I got would a... do it if they asked me though. I would fucking do it. Like, oh. I'd be like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, of course I would do it. I actually have a Balenciaga skin on Fortnite, but one of the games that I played for maybe twelve years now, however long it's been out, is. Minecraft. And I currently have a uh, Burberry set. So Burberry have just released like this pack where you get these like skins. So you've got all the the main skins, but then you also get these custom worlds. So you, I, I can't if you can build onto them or not, but it's almost like showcase worlds that have been designed in collaboration mm. with Burberry. So mm. they're very like grand and picturesque. And mm. it's it's quite a cool concept. And I think Charles Jeffrey Loverboy I mean, as a Minecraft world would be incredible. Yeah, I think that would be so cool. Did you ever play Super Smash Brothers? Yeah. No, but I know you're obsessed with that. That's like <laughs> what you're Smash always Bros. on. <laughs> I literally love it so much. Like, oh. So we're going to go back to the metaverse and like mm. in a minute. But I've got a question to ask is who are the most exciting young designers at the moment? Stefan Cook, I think, is amazing. Yeah, really. You, you guys were all sat together, you two and Corbin. We were, yeah. Oh, yeah, we were. At Steph- yeah. yeah. I think Stefan Cook is so cool. And I just really like what they do. I think that they're the most important thing in London right now. I really love this knitwear designer called um, Katja Zelensova. She does like crochet. And mm. I've known her for years. And she's kind of picking up, she's like getting those like essence like things that she's posted. So she was posting her range on essence. I'm like, okay, she's made it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they invest so much money in young designers. So you know if they buy in to you like okay cool also Japova Luena are incredible like I just think that the energy from them too the authenticity it's just so desirable like I want to wear everything what do they do what's the kind of so they do they're famous for those kilts that have the big belt and then it's like got the kind of recycled tartan that's in like these rolls the the kilts Ah. look insane like you would have never thought that that would have taken off because it looks insane yeah but it's like and it's also like 800 quid but like all the girls wearing it that was a big show this year yeah in London in London yeah Yeah. and that, that was the thing where I also it really reaffirmed to me like you know how important it is of a city for that kind of type of brand yeah and how it really affirmed to me I was like I'm not ready I'm, I need to leave not like in a bad <laughs> way where I'm like this is your space but I'm like the new guard is already here like I, yeah. can't, I can't there's no point in me being yeah. here do you know what I mean but yeah I think Stefan Kirk Katja and Chipotle Luena are like for me really cool and then you kind of hinted that we've kind of hinted throughout you're saying goodbye to London you're saying mm. hello to Milan mm. how is that going to work so um, we're showing in January. We're showing on the Sunday. Is that a show or is that? It's a fashion show. Yeah. I've, okay. I've, my my venue was confirmed yesterday. It's nice. incredible. It's like oh my god! I literally am so excited. And we're on schedule. And uh, we've got a whole kind of new team of people that we're working with. We've got a great new PR. We've got a great production. We've got great casting. We've got great hair and makeup team. And my whole team are kind of 
going up and we're moving. So it's quite a logistical yeah. situation. It's quite scary. Big megabus. Big megabus, basically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. And I, you know, we're working, going to start working on the music and all of the preamble marketing from next week. I mean, I'm taking time off because I had to take some days off because I was literally not. Detox. Yeah, I hadn't taken any, any days off at all. And I'm like, I need to stop working. But yeah, so I'm gonna, we're going to start working on the soundtrack next week, which I'm so excited about. There we go. So, yeah, that's so good. And I guess the final question for the main part of the pod before mm. we move into bonus. If you're in the metaverse, mm. what would your outfit be? So this is your dream outfit ever. And this is like, you know, the one that you can represent yourself for the rest of the time in. <clears throat> what are you choosing? I think I dress like one of the horrors from like 2005, 6, 7. Like I'd probably dress like in drain pipes. So, so all, <laughs> female All Saints black jeans? No, no a, a Camden Market five pound stretchy jeans that like go on. <laughs> so they're literally only stretch. It's like they're like leggings <laughs> and they're too long. You have to like, and then you also wear them in the bath in the cold to shrink them to your body. <laughs> Underground England Winkle Pickers. They did, the, they did a collaboration with Luella Bartley and they were like checkered ones. I still own the ones I've got. They're beaten up. Like, like a skinny white shirt, black tie, tie clip, waistcoat, <laughs> Victoriana jacket. I would be probably like half the size. I'd probably be the same skin. <laughs> I could not pull off now. Like I'd have like kind of, yeah, the back combed hair, the fringe, the eyeliner. That look for me just is so, was it still is the coolest look ever. That horrors look. That would be what I would look like. Stunning. And I guess it's quite, I mean, it's quite Russell Brand. <laughs> but like, no, but I would make, I wouldn't go down the Russell Brand look that's a bit like fucking Victoriana lady. I'd probably go a little bit more like 60s, maybe a bit more like minimal. So take away the John Cooper Clark esque. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love John Cooper Clark. Me too. So you've got somewhere important to be tonight. So do you. Mm. But we've got two more sets of questions mm-hmm. that we're going to take over to the bonus things so for this part of the podcast we want to say thank you so much thank you hopefully you've enjoyed it yeah. it's been amazing it. yeah it's been an absolute so pleasure cool. I'm just stay here longer yes right okay thank you for listening catch you over the bonus content <laughs> <laughs> we'll continue the laughter up yeah exactly we literally just cut and rolled in a second <sighs> welcome to the bonus content hello so here with charles <laughs> jeffrey we've got a different character for this part <laughs> like this is don't yeah. fire now. hello <laughs> so this is split up into two sections we have the quick fire round and then we have the audience questions. We'll keep it short and sweet. We'll ask the best ones. Starting off with the quick fire round. Charles Jeffrey, where's your favourite place to grab a drink? I would say that, uh, George and Dragon back in the day when it was open. Favourite place for lunch? Busaba. Favourite date spot? Sorry, you say Busaba? I love Busaba <laughs> <It's> so much. <laughs> busaba. We, usually we get a Rochelle Canteen. Yeah, <laughs> we I love Busaba. busaba. I like that man of the people. Yeah. <laughs> I love Busaba. I feel like I've always passed it. The, the Thai um, calamari. Yeah. Thai calamari. It can be anywhere. Thai calamari is my favourite thing ever. Favourite date spot? Um, outside Tate Modern. Nice. Yeah, look in the mirror. The river, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> in the mirror? Yeah, look, looking in the mirror <laughs> at myself. <laughs> Favourite multi-brand retail store? Dover Street Market. Favourite single-brand retail store? Uh, Mew Mew. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any plans for brick and mortar? I would like that a lot. And yes, it's definitely my strategy, yes. Sick. Favourite vintage store? Uh, Mr. Ben's in Glasgow. Favourite album? Kid A by Radiohead. Favourite song? Uh, How to Disappear Completely by Radiohead. Favorite Instagram page, Le Dauphin. It's my friend. And does it? It's like a. It? Uh, it's like um, like an aesthetic. It's like it's a kind of very Tumblr page. It's like beautiful photos. But um, it's my friend Achilles. He does. He's just got such great taste. Great name. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Favorite book, uh, The Velvet Rage by Alan Downes. Favorite movie, Fifth Element. 
Favourite TV series? Is Hold that, on, you oh, no, picked up. Okay, is, that, is that for the costumes or...? Just everything. I just love the, the humour, the kind of, like, um, pace of it all. Yeah, I just think it's... I, I, just, I love it. It's so interesting how that is now such a fashion film, mm. essentially. John Paul Gaultier is finest. Like, it's still so modern. It could come out now and it would still be a hit, I think. It's so good. <laughs> Have you not seen it? No, I'm terrible with films. Oh my god, it's still so relevant now. Like you could literally watch it. I also love Men in Black. Like I, I fucking <laughs> such <laughs> a rogue one. Out, but it's like also Aliens, and it's like the '90s. Like yeah, and I love that. <laughs> Favorite TV series? Mighty Boosh. Nice. Yeah. Fair enough. Favorite art gallery? Oh, Tate Modern. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love. I love it there so much. Favorite brand of all time? Comme des Garçons en plus. Perfect. That is it for the. Bonus content? Not no, for bonus lie, content. That is not the end of the bonus content. That is <laughs> the shortest quick fire round. <laughs> and now I'll start with the question is just lover boy cars question mark. Uh yeah, if they're electric, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So, I would do it, yeah, for sure. The colour and everything, just applying it to, yeah. Biggest name in your phone. Um I've heard Mark Jacobs. Uh I've got quite a few, but one of them is kind of being cancelled. Is it so, Kanye West? Uh, yeah, I'm not saying anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it's Marilyn Manson. He literally, oh. he texted me yesterday. That's impressive. Like, what does <laughs> he say? Take the politics. That's a rogue one that I'm very impressed with. Yeah. Hey, what, what, what does he sound like over text? Does he text? <laughs> because he's like... Is he a voice noter? Is what we're asking. He no, is a voice noter. He is a voice noter. But also because he's yeah. older, it's like, does he text like... In letters like CU, or is it like <laughs> no? Does he type very traditional, or is no, it no traditional? Well, you know, well punctuated. A lot of full stops. So it sounds no. Super it's short. just very genuine and nice, and uh, I think he's just he really wants to work together on something. And there's a you know I need to digest everything. But yeah, I mean, I, it's like I'm really torn because obviously like he's growing like, up, it's such an it's iconic. like huge. I mean, you should look at the merch and, and you can tell. Already, <laughs> you know I mean, it's like. Hugely inspiring, but yeah, he's probably one of the biggest. I work with Charles Housemate Emma at Lazy Earth. Just wanted to say she's the best. Oh my god, <laughs> Emma is the best. She is. That's my flatmate, and um, yeah, Emma is honestly like incredible. She's one of my best friends. Is is there any other designers that you have a good relationship with and would love to collaborate with? Yes, I have a really great relationship with Francesca Rizzo from Marnie, mm. and we actually did a Ooh, photo shoot sick. together in Milan for Vogue um, just whilst I was there. And I really want to do something, and I think we might end up doing something together. Some nice knitwear. Yeah, totally. Oof. Yeah, he's a bet. He's we're like very similar, which is nice. Same sort of taste. I want to know some of his favorite pieces he's done with Fred Perry, and I have noticed Fred Perry badge as well. On oh yeah, Fred Perry was like one of the most. Like, they're like friends for life. Like, that was like the most easiest, loveliest collaboration. And like, we just really just like loved each other and had so much fun. Um, my favorite ones is the Frosted Collection. I've got this twin set and it's made out of this kind of like, sort of like Lurex fabric. And uh, it's like a kind of sporting t-shirt with a rib collar and then these big basketball shorts. And it's like, like sapphire blue. So I'm like literally shiny blue when I wear Sick. it. It's so cool, I love it. Uh, I love your hair. I've seen you like to switch it up a lot of the top of your head. So do you know how many different colours you've had in your lifetime? I've had every single colour. I've had honestly had it every single... Apart from black, I've never dyed it officially black. Mm. But um, I'm going through a bit of a kind of like keeping it natural. Phase. I bleached it so much and it's like... <laughs> I'm unfortunate it's a thinning situation. So I had to like keep it. I bought recently... Um, one of those laser headbands, like, that keeps it. So I, t I take tablets, I use creams, and then I use this laser headband, like, 
every second day. Is it like an electric laser? It's like an like a, 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 um, LED light thing. Ah. Um, but it's, yeah, I've put so much. So do you do like patterns or is it just straight colour? And what's been your favourite? I think my favourite is doing yellow because that was something that sat with me and then I think I was being affiliated with. So I still, yeah. I think I'd still do it again, but I just need to give it a bit of a break because you can't bleach your hair as much. Because I do it all by myself. So then I sometimes will leave it on. I remember once I left it on and it just like came out like it was like chewing oh, gum. Come on, bleach. Sponsor the man. Do you know what I mean? I... They actually have, they actually <laughs> oh, have okay. done my hair a few times before. Yeah, Damn. so I think it's all good there. What was the design that you were like, this is going to be the shit, but then turned out to be actual shit? <laughs> oh my God, that's <laughs> a great really question. question. <laughs> I would say I did this thing with, I think it may be the, the, well, no, that actually ends up doing well because Shaq wore it on the TV show, but we did this thing and I thought it was going to be like the shit. I thought I want to do like white leather tubes that look like kind of like shapes and that's yeah. going to be my thing. And I remember once in the showroom, someone was like, these just look like white poo. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, okay, well, that's not, that's not going to work then, is it? <laughs> so. so this question, they've, we've answered most of it, but they've actually brought something up that we've not covered. Oh, yeah. They talk about uh, the award you've won. Oh, so yeah. I, suppose, I suppose what award... Can you list a couple of awards you won and what one was the most uh, important to you? Yes. Oh, my God. Um, so I've won two... The People's Hearts. The People's <laughs> Hearts. Um, I won an award recently, actually, um, for the film that we did with Samsung. It was like best styling oh, costume yeah. thing. So we did that with Charlie XCX. And so that was a best costume. One of our former guests worked on that. Really? And this is where I got a lot of my info from. Oh! Scott Croft. <laughs> oh my God, yeah! <laughs> I love Scott. Scott is brilliant. Yeah, so he's amazing. We're playing Warzone today. Oh my God. And, yeah, so. He's the best. He's buff now. He's, he's fucking huge. He's yeah. literally like, our, like, every time he puts his picture on Be Real, I'm like, babe. Like, literally yeah. like, in it. Yeah. But yeah, so I won, I won that. I've won a couple of awards for films that we've done. Like, um, like soundtrack we won an award for, which is amazing. I've won... Uh, like emerging menswear designer of the year. I got given an award by John Galliano, which is like one, like one of my career highlights. I won uh, designer <clears throat> of the year, GQ fashion awards. I won, or GQ men of the year awards. I won um, a graduate of the year at <laughs> Scottish fashion awards and then designer of the year at the Scottish fashion awards the year oh after that, when that was a thing that was quite a cool thing when it was a thing. I can't, I think that's it. Would you want to be awarded so if you got to win one more award, would you prefer it to be for fashion or for like the the music film side of things? Yeah, because I, 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 I feel like if I was to get to, you know, because the, the, the award to win at the Fashion Awards is Designer of the Year. Course. And for me, it's like, I'm not a designer. I don't see myself as a designer anymore, which is kind of interesting. So I know that some of the people that have designed it, have won it, are maybe not designers. Like Jonathan's won it so much, and I would say he's yeah. a creative director. So, I mean, and for my view, if they could do Creative Director of the Year or something, that would be great. I mean, I would obviously accept it. But the music thing, for me, I think needs to stay as a hobby in a sense. Like, I don't know if I want to be awarded for anything on that. Like, I think... Would it make it too kind of, not businessy, but official? It's like... Yeah, and I think for the me, the music is actually like what the club night used to be. It was just like a thing to just let off steam and just for to be completely mad and queer and crazy and, and hopefully do something that is that people enjoy, whereas the design of the year is for more for my team that all work so hard to do the company. So I think for me, I would want to win that for them. Yeah. Um, and then the music thing is kind of like, I don't really care if it does well. It's actually doing really well right now on, yeah. on, on Spotify. Like, I mean, I don't know, it's not that much, but for me having like 7,000 plus monthly listeners, on, for my view, I'm like, that's loads for considering yeah. we, like, no one really knows us for music. So we, 
to, to listen to that, mm. which and we type in Charles Jeffrey Loverboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all the streaming platforms, so you can find it on there. And we've got some really good people remixing it coming out. So I mean, really? planning planning to rock just came delivered their remix today. We've got Hercules and Love Affair. We've got Ta Akatalia, who's this amazing Scottish queer DJ. Jungle Hussey's going to do something sick. And then the final question comes from my friend Alex. So for those of you who haven't heard the podcast before, Alex, my friend from home. One of my best mates of all time. And he sends in a question for every guest. And they're always really good. And today for you, Charles, what piece of clothing would you pair up with the songs on your album? Oh, that's a really good question. I would say... So if I, if I start with Take Me There. So Take Me There is inspired by disco. So it's like a kind of um, Arthur Russell take on that. So I would wear that Arthur Russell cap that he wears that said seed mix or something mix that he... Whatever that is. Play, I would wear like latex, like catsuit situation from Batman. Sonic interference. Sonic interference, I would wear something like uh, a pinstripe suit, like from fucking um, Beetlejuice. I was going to ask, why did you go to Sonic interference and not Orbit, which is number I'm three? Mixed <laughs> <up>. <laughs> uh, and yeah, let's, let's get Orbit. Orbit, I would wear one of those sound suits, you know, from Nick Cave. And they're like big, tall sculpture things with speakers ah. at the end of them. It's really cool. If somebody wanted to get an idea of like what this project is, what mm. song would you say they should listen to? I would say Sun, because that's the title track. Not the title track, but it's like the main song. Because the rest of it is it's like, a, it's like, for me, it's like a movie soundtrack. So I think it's something, if you were to listen to it, I would say just have it as part of like an afternoon... God, that sounds like a glass of wine. No, <laughs> but it's like in fact, it's like listening to a movie, or like, yeah. it's like listening to a podcast or something. So, and what would you um, wear? What what item of clothes would you pair with that? What if, in a practical sense, I'd wear something comfy? I don't know, like a no, like, no, like yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be on dressing gown. Yeah, I don't like three D glasses or something like <laughs> the lateral. Sorry, I, I feel like Charles bought this question. With the eye roll on that one. <laughs> you haven't got your three D glasses on now to hide the eye roll, okay? <laughs> In your pajamas with your 3D glasses on. <laughs> Glass of wine, dressing gown. So is this the blue glasses. and red ones, or is this the uh, the Wayfarer style? I feel like I don't know, like some of the outfits in fucking Zoolander or something. You know, like the Mugatu, that fucking wig. And so, where are you off to now? Then, where are you departing to go to? I'm going to the Gay Times Awards, but I feel like my chauffeur is like gonna like apparently. Like when I looked up before it said he'd already arrived. So I feel like I'm just gonna have to turn up, throw a suit on and leave. <laughs> okay, so we'll leave you. Who do you want to be sat next to? That's the last question. Oh, I, well, <laughs> I'm sat next That's to- That's a loaded I'm, question. I'm sat next to Oliver Sim, who I have the biggest crush on ever. He's like, <laughs> honestly, love of my life. Well, let's manifest for you. Exactly. Oh and on that note, thank you very much for thank joining you. us, Charles. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And yeah. That was great. Thank Sweet. you so much. Yay. Happy days. That was so <laughs> fun. I think that's the best podcast I've ever done.